Welcome to How It's Med, a podcast about medical innovators and taste breakers. My name is Abdo. And I'm Jeff. Together, we explore the exciting stories of leaders in medicine and in the medtech industry. Hey, Abdo, do you know what the contraction for the word abdomen is in medical lingo? I swear to God, Jeff, if you tell me to stroke one more, it's high Moving on. Abdo surgery or otherwise, surgical recovery takes time and if prolonged can cost around $1,100 a day for acute care, just for the bed itself. That's why Dr. Joshua Liu came up with Seamless MD and skipped over the whole residency process. Since the inception of his company, the likes of Trillium Health Partners, Stanford Health Systems, and more have partnered with his company to confront the rising costs of our healthcare systems. Wow, $1,100 a day. That's a lot of money. Do you know what else is wild? The contraction of abdomen medical oh, oh God. You know what? Gets, let's go start. Let's go start. Josh, tell us a little bit about your childhood and how that led you to where you are. Wow, this sounds like a job interview. Uh, but first off, I want to say it is. It is. Well, first let me say, uh, yeah, Jeff and Abdo, thank you for having me. It, it's it's an honor to, to uh, be a guest on your podcast. So thank you for that. Um, so let's see. You know, born and raised in Toronto. Um, I, I think the key part of my story is that, uh, even though, you know, I'm, you know, I, I've started and I'm running a business now, I've always been a builder my whole life. And I think when you learn more about my, you know, story growing up, being a builder in different ways, it's not so surprising that I ended up in entrepreneurship. Um, so, you know, when I was in elementary school, so this is you know, back in the, the nineties, I remember, you know, when I was, I think 10, uh, my best friend at the time, um, you know, made a website and this is back then where, you know, this is how I date myself. Um, you know, this back then when Microsoft front page was, you know, a tool that you could use to build web pages, right. That doesn't exist now, but it was mm -hmm. back then. And we were, um, you know, hosting websites on GeoCities and Ask Jeeves was a, a top search engine et cetera. So anyways, when I was 10, I, you know, based on, you know, inspiration from my, my best friend, I built my first website. Um, and so that got me launched into like the world of the internet and technology. Um, and so I was basically, I would go to school and I would come home and like work on this website. Um, and so that got me into building stuff. And then when I got to, to high school, um, I ended up building different kinds of things and start you know, be more focused on building organizations and clubs. So I got, you know, very, very involved in, in nonprofits and school clubs and ended up, you know, starting a few, leading, a, leading a few. Um, and so even though I went into high school being, let's call it very academic, um, through my upbringing, mm -hmm. very focused on marks, et cetera. When I got to high school, um, I, I still, you know, you know, care about getting good marks in school and, and making sure I had all my, my prereqs for university. But I became more and more interested in building clubs and organizations and nonprofits, um, which I can get to more detail if you're interested. And then um, by the time I got into undergrad university, um, I ended up applying for, for medical school in my um, third year of undergrad. And I went to York for undergrad. One of the things that happened at the beginning of third year was that York went on strike. And I remember <laughs> York going on strike was uh, uh, something that happened every now and then. I'm not quite sure how common it is lately, 
Um, but yeah, York went on strike. Um, and so we didn't have classes. And the strange thing about the strike was that it wasn't clear when the strike would end. So the messaging we got was, well, the strike could end anytime. It could end next week. So don't leave the city. You might be back in class a week from now. And this basically took place for three months, um, starting in the fall. And so, so once the strike started, I said, okay, well, I, I have nothing to do. Um, but I was planning to apply to med school. So I spent pretty much most of my time, you know, in terms of waiting for a class to start between, um, doing NBA fantasy for the first time with friends from class, uh, no spot. That's my, that's my only time ever doing NBA fantasy actually. But then the thing I said, most of my time, I was actually, I had started, um, even before the strike to create this blog called Med Hopeful, which folks in the, the mental community, you know, might know me for, I started this blog. And the purpose of the blog originally was to chronicle my journey applying to med school. But because now the strike happened, I had all this free time in the world, I started spending my days writing articles for um, high school students to, you know, writing articles and blog posts about, you know, how to, you know, do your university admissions essays or how to apply for scholarships. And that um, I pretty much wrote a new blog post every, almost like every other day. And that, that blog ended up becoming quite popular over the years. And I ended up kind of turning that, that blog into a few kind of admission side businesses. But my point was that, you know, that blog was me being a builder again. Um, mm -hmm. and then, and by the way, you know, stop me anytime if you want to dive in somewhere. No, no, keep going, keep going. Okay. And then when I got into medical school, so, so yeah, so just to back up, um, somehow magically, despite God strike for three months, I ended up getting to medical school that year. Um, amazingly, amazingly York figured out a way to get people through their courses and still graduate a month late, but kind of on time still technically. Huh. Um, so got into med school that year, did my med school at U of T. Um, and then what's funny, I think about medicine is that, and this is probably true for a lot of careers, but I think medicine in particular, it's very hard to know what it means to be a physician until you get a chance to actually, um, be clinical and, and, and and, and actually practice clinically, which I don't think you really get to do until clerkship. Um, and what that also means is not only that, I don't think it's really until clerkship that you start to really understand, do I truly want to be a physician, to be honest. Um, and then by then maybe it's too late for some people because you're so, you know, invested financially and, and, and time-wise. But the other challenge is, is that you often don't know what kind of physician you want to be until later on in mid school and in clerkship. And I could tell you when I started med school, I had gone in with the belief that I wanted to go into, to neurology. Um, and then I, and then I shadowed neurologists a couple of times in first year and I realized, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> um, and I basically, um, uh, had, unlike some of my peers who knew what they wanted to do, right. Cause some people go in knowing exactly what kind of position they want to be. I spent the first couple of years in med school being kind of lost and not really sure where I fit in from a specialty point of view. Um. And what had happened was, um, I ended up just kind of, um, following my curiosity and listening to mentors and seeing where that took me. So, um, uh, at my first year of med school, I ended up doing a, um, a project for a, a we had a course on social determinants of health and I ended up doing a project with a, a family physician. Her name is, um, Dr. Sprita Akhtar and, um, she leads the, um, house calls program for Toronto Western hospital. And so for those who aren't familiar with what that is, um, you know, 
back in the back in the fifties, you know, forty percent of physicians in Canada did house calls. They would visit patients at home and take care of them. You know, by by the two thousands, this was below one percent of, of physicians actually visit patients at home. And one of the challenges is that um, even though most family physicians are in clinic or in an office setting, if you think about it, it's only your really healthy patients that can actually physically come into a clinic. So your patients who are homebound because they're elderly, have physical challenges, cognitive challenges and other issues who are stuck at home, who frankly need primary care, maybe more than, than a lot of other patients can't get it because 99% of physicians are in the office setting. Um, and so she was very passionate about bringing care back into the home for these homebound elderly patients. And so I did some work with her on a project and that got me really interested in broader healthcare system issues around quality, safety, access. And then in my second year of med school, um, I ended up, um, getting connected with an innovation center at UHN at the time it was called the center for innovation and complex care today. It's called open lab at UHN. And basically what they do is they bring together folks from, you know, clinical, so physicians, nurses, pharmacists, et cetera. They bring together designers and engineers and together their mandate is to re-engineer healthcare delivery for the most complex, costly patients. Um, and so it was with that group that ended up, um, being mentored by, um, you know, Howie Abrams, who at the time was the head of, uh, general internal medicine and UHN. Um, and Dante Mora, who um, now is the chief of staff at Trillium Hot Partners, but um, they kind of mentored me further on quality of safety. I did work with them on this concept of preventing readmissions back to hospital. And for those who aren't, um, I mean, your audience at their health is probably familiar with readmissions, but if you're not, the basic idea is that when a patient gets discharged from hospital, we discharge you home because we think you're safe and stable to go home. Um, but, um, you know, most patients who end up at home are not back to their baseline just yet. Right. Um, and so during that first couple of weeks after hospital discharge, you're at a higher risk of a complication or some other problem happening. And so, you know, 10, 20% of patients who leave hospital end up developing an issue to get readmitted back to hospital for a whole host of reasons. And I got really interested in this idea of, well, you know, what if we could just monitor a patient when they left hospital? So that we could catch a problem earlier and prevent a readmission, um, you know, wouldn't that be something? And then ultimately led eventually to what uh, became Seamless MD, which is, you know, the company that, that I work on today. Um, but before I go into that, cause I, I just want to just, my, my point is everything in my journey has been about me being interested in, in building, whether it was a project, a club, now it's a business. Um, and so my point is that. Um, it's not like I just woke up one day and said, Hey, I want to build a business. I think that if you look at my, my story, I just always love building stuff, whether it's been something big or small. And I think if I didn't do this now, I'm sure 10 years from now, I would have done this. So I, I think me doing something entrepreneurial in healthcare was inevitable. I think just the timing was probably, um, a matter of circumstance. Anyways, I'll, I'll shut up, but, but I'll pass it back to you, Jeff Abdel, take it away from here. <laughs> So I think the the two natural questions that flow from what you just said are why build, why, why, why do you love building? And also why medicine, if you love building? So I'll let, I'll let, I'll, I'll let the engineer stick to the building part and I'll stick to the medicine part. So why, why medicine, if you like building? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I I think I mean medicine. I, I I think probably was you know probably part of my upbringing. I mean you know I come from a, a pretty traditional you know a, a, Asian uh, Asian home, and I think you know my my parents kind of imparted me and you know, you know, different different um, career opportunities, and obviously medicine is top of the list. I feel you. Uh, <laughs> uh, um. And I, you know, whether I believe it or not, I, I, I came to believe the idea of, well, it's, it's an opportunity where, where you can help people. But, but to your point, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a story to your point, you know, when I was actually in my, can't remember, it was second year, beginning of third year um, of undergrad. I actually wasn't sure I wanted to do medicine because even though, you know, I, I was frankly lucky to be good at school and, and figured out the whole game of how do you get good grades in, you know, high school and undergrad. Um, at the time I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do medicine. I remember actually, you know, one day I was just, you know, I think watching TV with my dad and I turned to him on the couch and I said, you know, dad, um, I don't know if I even want to stay in school. Like, I don't, I don't, I frankly didn't love the didactic environment. And I said, dad, what if I just wanted to drop one of undergrad and do something else? Like, you know, what do you say? What do you say? He thought about it for a moment. He turned back and said, Josh, I can never you do, I'll support you. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, what happened was at, by the end of, I think, you know, second year going to third year, um, I didn't have a better plan. So I said, okay, well, I spent all these years preparing for med school, might as well apply it. And then I think when I got in, I said, well, I didn't have a, I still have a better plan. So let's just go do it. And it's obviously a very rewarding, you know, a career in industry. I mean, again, like I still love the fact that I'm, you know, even now though I'm not clinical as a profession, you know, I love what we do because we're impacting, you know, patients, providers positively. Like for me, that's always been something that, that I got pulled to. I wouldn't say I, I got into to medicine because of some kind of unique, you know, insight or anything or desire. Mm-hmm. But I think having spent all this time in healthcare, um, I've just learned to really care about it. Um, and so I think, you know, it's led me to this situation where, well, if I'm going to build something, um, like I want it to be in healthcare. Um, and in fact, and I can go into this later, but when we started the company, um, and we did this through an incubator as part of the interview process, I told them, well, if I'm going to do this incubator, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, I wanted something healthcare. I, I've, I already kind of mentally put myself there and people loved and asked me, well, Josh, you know, will you ever go back, um, you know, to, uh, to residency. And at this point, I, I think it's probably unlikely. But, um, I'm, first of all, like whether they would even take me that, that that's probably unlikely, but, but if I ever were to go back for some reason, it would be because I'd want to go back with the intention of building something in healthcare that I thought you know, doing a residency would help me do it better at. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm here to stay in healthcare. Um, but I think that's been because of accumulation experiences, not because of some like magical insight or inspiration. It's just when you spend enough time with, on something, you end up, you know, falling in love with the problem space and, and wanting to, to, to help improve things. That's fair enough. That's actually pretty interesting. I think it's, it's pretty interesting how back in second or third year, uh, you weren't sure about if you wanted to pursue medicine. What would you give someone who's currently in that advice or in, in that position? Yeah, you know what? I think a big thing is, is about exposure. Um, and, uh, whether it's, you're thinking about, do I even want to go into medicine or even, you know, I often have medical students ask me, you know, um, you know, what should I do going forward when I think about residency or, or other options, I always say the same thing, which is, uh, get exposure to different opportunities 
and use that to either rule out things that you don't find interesting or enjoyable or use it to rule things in that you end up being curious about and then just keep following your curiosity. So, you know, even in medicine, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but when I started, you know, finding out that I was really curious about, you know, healthcare quality and safety, um, issues, readmission prevention, I just kept kind of going down that path and I started ignoring the things that I wasn't interested in. And that helped me find my place. So I think even before medicine, it's figuring, okay, um, can I channel or, or do something in healthcare or medicine? It's at least find out, do I find this compelling or not? And, and again, you won't be perfect. You can't just like suddenly, you know, become clinical as a, as a, as an undergrad student. But I think the more exposure you can get, you can at least try to figure out, am I likely to like this at the very least? Um, and again, I know that's not an easy thing to do if you don't have access to opportunities, but if you can, I think the exposure would be helpful and helping people rule things in and rule things out. Really, I guess we can circle back to the question Jeffrey posed at the beginning of why building? Well, what, what's so interesting about that to you? Yeah, I don't know. I've always just really loved, uh, you know, going from nothing to something, or I think some people use the term zero to zero to one now. Um, and I think part of it is probably because, um, I've always had what I'll call it an obsessive personality. So, um, I'm the kind of person where, um, if I really get into something, I can basically spend like all day doing it. And I think that's where, where building becomes attractive because, um, you are able to do that. And even as you progress over time, because, um, the longer you stay building something, the more challenges and new things that come up, basically the, the building process, it's almost like you're building a never, a never ending tower or never ending building that, that has no end. So for example. Um, trying to find a, a good, good way to describe this. Um, one of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like number one, I, I just love the idea of having to do something new for the first time. Um, so that's, that's where the build, like the get going from zero to one. Um, so for example, like learn how to build a website, right? Uh, you can't learn that in a day. And so it fits my obsessive personality where I could, I could spend like months on just trying to, how do I, how do I build a website? How do I make the websites popular? How do I learn to do, to like, you know, add images or add different, you know, elements to the website or whatnot. And, and, and at some point though, like you can only take a, at least back day, you can only take a website so far. Right. But I think the exciting thing about, about building a business is that, um, the, if you're lucky enough for your business to survive, you know, day after day after day. Um, you also have the, the fortune or misfortune, if you will, of encountering new challenges that you don't know how to solve. Um, so for example, when you first started the business, um, the risks that we had overcome are different than the risks that we have today. So when we first started the business, it was, okay, um, can you successfully work with your, your business partners or co-founders? And then it's okay. Can you even convince one hospital to try this product? Can you even build a product that works? Right. Um, okay. And let's say you can, then your next challenge is, okay, can you, can you build a product that patients not only use, but can actually drive an outcome, let's say prevent readmissions. Okay. Um, let's say you have something working, you have a few people on your team. Okay. Well now you actually have to grow the team. Um, you know, can you actually raise investment capital, even though you've never done before, or 
as you start to really hire for people in your team, figuring out, well, how do you hire someone? So there's all these things that you don't learn in school, right? Um, and, and even now, right? It's like, yes, I, I, I've kind of figured out my own process for how do I, you know, identify talent and hire people. But now it's about, okay, well, how do I hire, you know, senior executives for roles that I've never had to do? I've never had to be a vice president of marketing. What makes a good vice president of marketing? How do I find one, right? How do I, how do I manage someone who is like 20 years of experience in something that, that I've never done before? Fair enough. Um, and, um, or, or, you know, for example, on the product side, okay, how do we actually do our first EHR integration? Um, how do I sell bigger and bigger contracts? Again, all these things that you can't learn from a book. You could maybe learn some things from people who've done it before. You definitely didn't learn this in school. And so I think the nice thing about a business, about, about building a business, the fact that it's almost like that, that zero to one, you know, timeline is almost infinite to some extent. At some point it will be probably, um, but uh, for me, that's what keeps it exciting. Um, and I think just for me, it's, it's the way I like building is that, okay, I have to keep learning something new to get to the next stage almost. Um, and I think that's what keeps it exciting for me. Don't get me wrong though. When you're building stuff, you're doing a lot of the same things over and over. Like, I, I think there's this weird misconception in business that, oh, as the CEO, all I'm doing is strategy. No, strategy is like 1% of what I do. 99% um, of what I do is like the same thing. Is, is same thing over and over again. It's discipline, right? It's, it's discipline doing the the tasks I have to do to move the business forward. It's like one percent strategy, um, but um, but that's okay because again, like it's like I have to learn how to be really good at one thing, and then six months later, I gotta figure out how to do this next thing and be really good at that. Um, maybe discipline with it and put my reps in. Um, hopefully, that makes sense. I almost feel like that makes more sense if you if you build something. It makes less sense if you have it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully that gives you a bit more, more insight. Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Met. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmet.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Till next time, bye-bye.